Chapter Eighteen of the Mother's Recompense by Edith Wharton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Anne Fletcher, Richmond, Tasmania, two thousand and twenty-one. Chapter Eighteen. Her place was beside Anne. That was all she had got out of Fred Landers, and in that respect she was by no means convinced that her instinct was not surer than his that she was not right in agreeing with her daughter that their experiment had been a failure. Yet, even if it had, she could not leave Anne now, not till she had made sure there was no further danger from Chris. Oh, if she were once certain of that, it would perhaps be easiest and simplest to go, but not till then. She did not know when Anne was coming back. No word had come from her. Mrs. Clefane had an idea that the housekeeper knew, but she could not ask the housekeeper. So for another twenty-four hours she remained on with a curious sense of ghostly unconcern while she watched Aileen unpack her trunks and settle her into her rooms for the winter. It was on the third day that Nolly Tresselton telephoned. She was in town and asked if she might see Mrs. Clefane at once. The very sound of her voice brought reassurance, and Kate Clefane sat counting the minutes till she appeared. She had come up from the drovers, as Kate had guessed, and she brought an embarrassed message of apology from Anne. She couldn't write. She's too upset. But she's so sorry for what she said, for the way she said it. You must try to forgive her. Oh, forgive her? That's nothing the mother cried, her eyes searching the other's face, but Nolly's vivid features were obscured by the embarrassment of the message she had brought. She looked as if she were tangled in Anne's confusion. "'That's nothing,' Kate Clefane repeated. "'I hurt her horribly, too. I had to. I couldn't expect her to understand.' Mrs. Tresselton looked relieved. "'Oh, you do see that!' I knew you would. I told her so. She hesitated and then went on with a slight tremor in her voice. Your taking it in that way will make it all so much easier. But she stopped again, and Kate, with a sinking heart, stood up. Nolly, she wants me to go. Oh, no, no. How could you imagine it? She wants you to look upon this house as yours. She's always wanted it. But she's not coming back to it. The younger woman laid a pleading hand on Mrs. Clefane's arm. Oh, Aunt Kate, you must be patient. She feels she can't, not now at any rate. Not now? Oh, then it's she who hasn't forgiven. Oh, she would, you know. Oh, so gladly. She'd never think again of what's happened. Only she fears. Fears? Well, that your feeling about Chris is still the same. Mrs. Clefane caught at the hand that lay on her arm. Nolly, she knows where he is. She's seen him. No, but she means to. He's been very ill. He's had a bad time since the engagement was broken, and that makes her feel still more strongly. The younger woman broke off and looked at Mrs. Clefane compassionately, as if trying to make her understand the hopelessness of the struggle. 
oh aunt kate really what's the use the use where is he nolly here now in new york mrs tressleton was silent the pity in her gaze had turned to a guarded coolness of course nolly couldn't understand never would of course they were all on anne's side kate clefane stood looking helplessly about her the memory of old scenes under that same roof threats discussions dissimulations and inward revolts arose within her and she felt on her shoulders the whole oppression of the past oh don't think nolly continued her expression softening that anne hasn't tried to understand uh, to make allowances the boy you knew must have been so different from the major fenner we all like and respect yes respect he's made good you see it's not only his war record but everything since he's worked so hard done so well at his various jobs and anne's sure that if he had the chance he would make himself a name in the literary world all that naturally makes it more difficult for her to understand your objection or your way of asserting it mrs clefane lifted imploring eyes to her face i don't expect anne to understand not yet but you must try to nolly you must help me oh i want to aunt kate the young woman stood before her affectionately perplexed if there's anything anything really wrong you ought to tell me i do tell you kate panted well what is it silence fell always the same silence kate glanced desperately about the imprisoning room every panel and moulding of its walls every uncompromising angle or portly curve of its decorous furniture seemed equally leagued against her forbidding her defying her to speak oh, ask fred landers she said at bay oh, but i have i saw him on my way here and he says he doesn't know that you wouldn't explain why should i have to explain i've said major fenner ought not to marry anne i've known him longer than any of you isn't it likely that i know him better the words came from her precipitate and shrill she felt she was losing all control of her face and voice and lifted her handkerchief to her lips to hide their twitching aunt kate nolly tressleton gasped it out on a new note of terror then she too fell silent slowly turning her eyes away in that instant kate clefane saw that she had guessed or if not was at least on the point of guessing and fresh alarm possessed the mother she tried to steady herself to raise new defences against this new danger some men are not meant to marry they're sure to make their wives unhappy isn't that reason enough it's a question of character in those ways i don't believe character ever changes that's all that's all the word was said she'd been challenged again and had again shrunk away from the challenge nolly tressleton drew a deep breath of relief 
oh after knowing him so well as a boy you naturally don't want to say anything more but you think they're unsuited to each other oh yes that's it you do see the younger woman considered and then she took mrs cliffane by the hand i do see and i'll try to help to persuade anne to put off deciding perhaps after she's seen him it'll be easier nolly was again silent and mrs cliffane understood that whatever happened the secret of chris's exact whereabouts was to be kept from her she thought anne's afraid to have me meet him again and there was a sort of fierce satisfaction in the thought nolly was gathering up her wrap and handbag she had to get back to long island she said kate understood that she meant to return to the drovers as she reached the door a last impulse of avowal seized the older woman what if by giving nolly a hint of the truth she could make sure of her support and thus secure anne's safety oh, but what argument against the marriage would be more efficacious on nolly's lips than on her own only one the one that no one must ever use the terror lest nolly possessed of that truth and sickened by it should after all reveal it in a final effort to prevent the marriage prevailed over mrs cliffane's other fears once nolly knew anne would surely get to know the horror of that possibility sealed the mother's lips nolly from the threshold still looked at her wistfully expectantly as if half awaiting the confession but mrs cliffane held out her hand without a word i must find out where he is it was kate's first thought after the door had closed on her visitor if he were in new york and he evidently was she kate cliffane must run him down must get speech with him before he had been able to see her daughter but how was she to set about it fred landers did not even know if he was still with horace mcclue or not for the mere fact of mcclue's not alluding to him while they were together meant nothing less than nothing and even if he had left the mcclues the chances were that lilla knew where he was and had already transmitted anne's summons mrs cliffane consulted the telephone book but of course in vain and then after some hesitation she rang up horace mcclue's house in baltimore no one was there but she finally elicited from the servant who answered the telephone that mrs mcclue was away on a motor trip perhaps mr mcclue could be reached at his country place kate tried the country place but mr mcclue had gone to chicago the sense of loneliness and helplessness closed in on her more impenetrably than ever night came and aileen reminded her that she had asked to have her dinner brought up on a tray solitary meals in john cliffane's dining-room were impossible to her i don't want any dinner aileen's look seemed to say that she knew why and her mistress hastily amended oh, oh just some wee on and toast whatever's ready she sat down to it without changing her dress every gesture every act denoting intimacy with that house or the air of permanence in her relation to it would also have been impossible again she had the feeling of sitting in a railway station waiting for a train to come in 
but now she knew for what she was waiting. At the close of her brief meal, Aileen entered briskly with fruit and coffee. Her harsh face illuminated with curiosity, she handed her mistress a card. "'The gentleman is downstairs. He hopes Madame will excuse the hour.' Her tone seemed to imply, "'Madame, in this case, will excuse everything.' and Kate cast a startled glance at the name. He had come to her then, had come of his own accord. She felt dizzy with relief and fear. Fear uppermost. Yes, was she not always afraid of him? End of chapter 18